What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I am your host, DC. And of course, I got my co-host, Hillary Locke. Hey, how's it going, everyone? And we have a special guest, a returning guest in the building. We have none other than Rory McDonald's most favorite fan, Eric, in the building. How's it going, guys? (laughs) Thanks for having me on again. (laughs) <laughs> appreciate it appreciate it yeah i have been waiting uh we definitely wanted to have you back on just waiting for a good uh you know a good topic that i felt like uh you would really like to dive into and i think we got a good one today um so today's topic uh we're you gonna always talk think about... they're good ones though you think that's of true. them so obvious that that's you true think they're good ones. that's true so you're saying i'm biased and if you're always biased. Thing... Those are two things that are consistent. You're always biased and you always think you have a good topic. If there's one thing we know on this podcast is that I'm never biased. I'm not biased with Anderson Silva. I'm not biased with Ronda Rousey. Like these things don't exist. I, I have no biasness in my commentary whatsoever. Everybody knows this. <laughs> but um so today we're going to uh, talk about two different topics, but uh, the one I want to dive into first is uh, what's going on with welterweight. Um, the welterweight picture right now, um, it's weird. And the biggest thing that's weird about it is the top 10 guys still just are not fighting each other for some reason. I don't know if it's something going on with the UFC I don't know if if guys are turning down the fights or what's going on, but um, if we look at right now the top 10, not counting Usman, we know he's out surgery and he's the champ, but the actual top 10 rankings from number one contender down, um, not one of them are scheduled to fight one another. And the only top 10 ranking fight we've had so far this year was Bilal Muhammad versus Vicente Luque. Right. And all the rest of them, nobody's fighting each other. And the only person out of that group that really seems to be willing to fight anybody is Gilbert Burns. So I want to throw it over to you first, Eric, you know, just kind of your opinion on what's going on with the with the current uh, welterweights. Also, if you want to dive into anything there's been a little bit of controversy with the ranking comes out jumping all the way up to number three, anything like that you want to throw in, you can throw it in, but, but mainly I want to understand what do you think, what the hell is going on with welterweight right now? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think that there's probably a couple things that come to mind. Um, the first is, you know, I was listening to, listening to Luke Thomas on morning combat. Um, he was talking about how he has it on pretty good authority that UFC matchmakers now have a harder time making matchups than they ever have. So they're out there offering all these different fights, but it's just a matter of whether or not anyone's willing to take them. And it seems like, uh, some of the fighters are, are definitely protecting their careers a little bit more than they probably did in the past. Um, you know, guys like, 
obviously he's not a welterweight, but guys like Jeremy Stevens were kind of like um, unicorns in the in the current landscape of the UFC, where they would they would take any fight anytime. They didn't say no to fights. Uh, I don't think we have as much of that right now, um, which is unfortunate. But I also think that there's just been um, there's kind of been like really slow turnover in the welterweight division. You know, um, obviously Kamza is pretty fresh to the UFC, but Shavkat's been there for a little bit, and it's taken him forever to crack the rankings. Um, and I think he's a phenomenal fighter. I think he's just as good as Kamza. It might be the actual, you know, um, he he might be who we thought Kamza could be. Um, not to say that Kamzat may not be who he is. It's just like Shavkat seems to have like a more refined game. Isn't as reliant on just being like, you know, this, um, unstoppable force that's just going to collide with whatever's in his way. Um, he's the only person scheduled to fight somebody in the top 10. Him and Neil Magny actually are scheduled to fight. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. And that should be a good fight. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that there's a few of them out there that are probably, more willing to fight. Um, Kamzat, you know, he just came off of a war with Gilbert. I'm sure that he's chomping at the bit to get back in there. Um, Gilbert Burns, as you said, looks like he's, you know, eager to get his next fight. And then I think, uh, Sean Brady, Jeff Neal, and, and Shavkat, they all strike me as people who are, who are looking to stay active. Um, I think I saw that Santiago Ponzinibbio also has a fight scheduled. So I, I don't know. I think that we kind of just had a really long, like, holding pattern. Um, moving away from like the Tyron Woodley championship era, um, where welterweights weren't, didn't want to give up their spot in the rankings. And so they weren't as active. They were content to just st- sit and wait. I think at this point, we're probably on the precipice of a, like a large change in the rankings. That makes sense. And if, if, I mean, if a lot of fighters are really hesitant it's the ufc's own fault as to how they dealt with people you know um they they went through these waves right at one point in time in the ufc as long as you were a game fighter and you put on an exciting show they let you go out there and fight i mean you had guys like i forget how many leonard garcia lost before you know he was cut you would have guys that may have you know five six losses in a row before getting cut because they were a fan favorite and they were excited. And then if you remember, we went through that wave. Everybody was three and out. If you lost three fights, it didn't matter what was going on. You were getting cut. And it's like, you know, the UFC is somewhere in between now. It really depends. But for money and everything else, guys are seeing how valuable it is, no matter who you're fighting, just to put up that W. Uh, what's your thoughts on it, Locke? So I have a bunch of thoughts on the welterweight division, and it's it's one of the muddiest divisions. I've never seen such a muddy division with so much talent, and and it's it's kind of like, you know how when you get those great cards that are so stacked that they turned out not to be a great card because they're so stacked that every you know it turns into a chess match. Yeah. And uh, and first of all, I also in advance I want to uh, apologize to our our listeners because. Typically, as opposed to my other podcasts where we make it a point to drink, I usually do these pretty sober. But today I had quite a day, so I poured me a couple fingers of small batch bourbon. So if this gets like uh, sloshy towards the end, you know, 
my my views do not reflect the personal views of Fatboy MMA or DC or Eric as a whole, you know. So let me let me say this, okay? We can only have one host lying per episode. I just told the fans how I'm not biased at all, especially again with Anderson Silva and Ronda Rousey. So now they got that lie, and now you're telling them a lie about being sober on the podcast. You, we're gonna lose like all five of our listeners. I want you to know that. <laughs> hey, but the two that hang out, those are the ones we really want. <laughs> um, but so I think when I look at the rankings, for one, it's it's an impressive thing that Usman's done. He's really cleared out this division. And to Eric's point, I agree with um that. The, the people aren't just making fights nowadays and i don't i think it's a bad thing for the fans but i actually appreciate it for the fighters you know when i was younger i used to be one of these guys like when it comes to college kids i'm like come back for your senior year do this you know now i realize you know when you're a big big time athlete your window's small so you probably should be a little bit choosy and you know make sure you protect your career and your money and stuff like that but I know we covered on an episode recently, you talked about doing a welterweight tournament. And I seriously feel like they might have to look at that as an option just to force all these guys to get into um, to the cage together, just to really see how this division shakes itself out. But in the meantime, I think Leon Edwards is probably past due for a title shot. And he's the only guy that hasn't lost to all these top guys once or twice recently. So I think we need to get Leon Edward is his title shot. I, I'm iffy about putting comms out out there against a Colby or another one of these guys, because if he loses that fight, you just lost another contender. And now the, uh, the, the division's muddy, muddier. The only reason, the only thing I would think if you're going to do another fight would be against somebody like a, a Shavkat, who's another up and coming guy to where you could just put the winner in a title fight. Um, and I would also like to find a faster way to get Burns back into the title picture. I know he just lost to Kamzat, but honestly, I came out of that fight more impressed with Burns than I came out impressed by Kamzat. And I do appreciate a guy that's game to take out any fight, you know, take on any fight. And he's only got lapped once. Usman lapped most of these guys twice. So he should still have another turn in the queue. Yeah, I think you make all good points. Um, As far as Burns, yeah, one, as you know, I think he won that fight. The problem is I don't think the gap was big enough for you to call it a robbery. I just think he won, right? Um. And I also think his stock went up more than Kamzat's stock in my eyes. But to most people, it's the other way around for some reason. Um, But, of course, you know, I wouldn't talk about the welterweights without putting together my own little what needs to happen. (laughs) Right? So, um, what needs to happen? Can I say one more thing before you go, too? Yep. Go ahead. So I don't want to go too into it because we have two full episodes that my wife was recently talking shit to me about arguing about Colby Covington. So I'm not going to revisit that again, but that conversation was also based on a pound for pound, not a divisional ranking. 
Uh-huh. And I think all those arguments have to be taken out. But when you look at my points, dude, about the losses and the rankings of the guys he beats, we got to get Colby Covington out of that number one contender spot. Like, there's no reason <laughs> that he's the top number one contender in the welterweight division, losing to the champion twice and not have him be a top five ranked guy in, I don't know, what, four years or something? Yeah, so Kobe stays at number one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the problem with Kobe right now is... Um... I should have known it when you showed up with your MAGA hat <laughs> that we were going we to gonna do the Kobe thing again. <laughs> but, uh, the problem is, as we know, we don't know when Kobe's coming back. He's trying to sue, um, you know, Masvidal right now. And I haven't heard anything directly from him, but of course, different reports are saying he's saying that he suffered certain amounts of damage that may affect his career and things of that sort. So, and if he's really playing that game, it's going to be hard for you to walk into a cage and fight, right? So we don't know how long we're losing him for. So for what I'm about to run down, he's not even a part of it because who knows when he's coming back. But um, to your point about Edwards, yeah, I think we need to see Edwards versus uh, Usman. That fight needs to happen. For Kamzai, even though he's ranked number three right now, I think he should fight Bilal Muhammad. The reason why I think it's an exciting fight um, I think it's a fight that I think it's a fight that would bring a lot of fans. I'm not sure how many uh, UFC fights that have had um, two Muslim guys fighting that are popular and highly ranked, right? So I think it could be a big fight based on numbers uh, that way. Um, and I think it's a good matchup that if it's a good fight, kind of how the how the comes out in Burns fight was, I think both guys can still, so to speak, have a high rank. I don't think it's something that knocks either guy down too far, and especially with uh, Bilal because he's on a seven fight win streak. So even a loss here, it doesn't knock you down too far, right? But and, now. And the re- and one of the Go things ahead. I really like about that fight is it doesn't burn a contender. That's why I was hesitant to put comms out there against somebody. Mm-hmm. But any either one that comes out of that fight, you have a legit claim yep. to a title shot. Exactly. And then I have uh, Burns versus Luke. Um, tough fight for both guys, but I like the matchup. Both of them are coming off of losses. Uh, but I like the matchup, and because both of them are still highly ranked, um, either one of them with a win can be one more win away from another title shot in this current welterweight picture, right? Uh, Burns is number four right now, and Luke is number six. So that one, um, I think uh, Sean Brady, we put him in versus Wonderboy. Wonderboy is actually on a two-fight losing streak, but he's still a big name, and he's ranked ahead of Sean Brady. And this would be a big name for Sean Brady to go ahead and fight and kind of see what he's made of. And, of course, as we know, Wonderboy is one of those guys that's not easy to look good against. So it'll be a big challenge for him. But if he can, you know, beat Wonderboy, especially decisively, now you can really start talking about him fighting those top five guys without people 
you know, kind of arguing about it. And then I see Masvidal versus the winner of Neil Magny and Shavkat. Now, Masvidal, the reason why I say the winner, even though we know he's coming off of three losses, right? He's still a big name. And I think both of these guys would be willing to go out there and do some striking with him. Um, I think it's a winnable fight either way, but I think it's a great matchup, right? That we would be able to uh, see and put together. And then, you know, if Masvidal loses that one, that's number 10 and number 15, right? So if Masvidal loses that one, he just doesn't deserve to be in a top 10 anymore, right? So he, he has to drop down to like number 14, 15 or something like that, right? So that covers everybody in that top 10 with the exception of Kobe, as I mentioned, for the reasons of taking him out. Now, Kobe comes back. Um, now I think we can look at, uh, you know, for Kobe, if he's not ready to, you know, based on how these fights line up, if there's no fight right there in the top five, top 10, I say, you know, give one, another one of those up and comers a crack at him. Either it's going to make him look really good or somebody else is going to knock him off the spot and it'll be somebody that's really hungry. Right. So Eric, you mentioned, Jeff Neal and 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 uh, uh I'm gonna butcher his name Pazaniko pa- I'm gonna butcher it. I apologize because I just butchered your name, but you know who I'm talking about, Eric. You just mentioned him, right? Pazanivio, um, right? Pazanivio, yeah. And so I like you know doing that. I, I'm a big believer in some of the guys that may be out of the top ten. Give them a crack at some of these higher level guys. The problem is. That only happens to people they want to push, right? It's how Kamzat jumped all the way to number three, which I disagree with, but it's because he got a shot. A lot of these guys are good. It's not that big of a gap in skill level between a lot of these guys, but some of your guys in that bottom, you know, between 10 and 15, they're going to fight a whole bunch of times before they even get a crack at somebody, let's say in the top seven. Right. So that really becomes the issue, in my opinion. And some of those guys in the top seven, especially after, you know, Kobe going to war a couple times with Usman and whatnot, they're beatable. We know he can get cracked. We know he can get stumbled. A lot of these guys. So that's the way I see the picture. And then as far as comes out, I don't think even with that win over Burns, I just don't see him as going to number three. With, I mean, you talk about Kobe, but I mean, Kamzat had one controversial win in the top 10 and he's number three. Like, I mean, come on. And that's open for anybody to rebuttal comment. Well, it, it was a war. Like, I think number three might be a bit of a stretch, but I think that's what happens when you have a stale division. You know, you get a win over a top guy can move you far. It's. The, the old eight mile movie, you only get one shot. Don't miss your chance. You know, he made the best of it. You know, I, I don't hate him for it. Um, and I, I'm more happy that Gilbert Burns didn't slide that far than I am mad that Comzat got to jump all the way up. Cause I think the division needs a, you know, a little bit of a move. And, and I also agree, like, I'm not against putting some, giving these, uh, you know, some of the lower ranked guys shot against higher ranked guys. Especially uh, Jorge Masvidal, who's coming off a few losses. I think that's the perfect time to 
you know, because it's a good story either way. You either have the remergence of Jorge Masvidal working his way back into the title picture, or you you just paid him good money to, as the wrestling uh, fans would say, get the next guy over. Yep. Yeah, um, I mean, I definitely agree that Kamzat getting bumped up to number three, that was, um, that was quite the leap. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a Kamzat fan myself, but my fandom for him is not on the level of like, you know, my fandom for Rory McDonald, which if we're, if we're talking welterweights, we have to mention the, mention the goat, you know? Um, and his win, you made sure you let us know about his yeah, win. Of course, the Red King is back, you know? Um, it was a great win. It was. That whole card yeah. was good. I don't know if people are sleeping on the PFL. That was a good card. That uh, the whole uh, Pettis, that ju- jujitsu first round mm-hmm. man, that was like a clinic. Yeah, no, Pettis looked good. Um, it was good to see Pettis kind of you know after his his debut last year last season was pretty bad. So it was good to see him kind of like right that wrong a little bit. Um, but not to get too far off topic. As far as like the welterweight division the landscape of it the thing that i'm kind of wondering about um and this this could possibly solve some of the matchmaking issues um you know kamaru is still out with an injury he last defended his belt i think it was like november 2021 and they're already talking about an interim for uh davison figueredo's belt even though he defended more recently than that as far as i recall and so it seems to me like if we know that Usman's on the shelf a little bit longer, maybe it's appropriate to bring in an interim belt, especially in a division that I think the last one we had was when Colby got the interim. So it's not like they have like this real long, complicated history with the interim belts. Like I, th- I think it would be fine. Um, and if you give that interim shot to Leon, it's pretty easy to match make him with. You know, he can he can fight Kamzat, Gilbert, Bilal Muhammad. Uh, even Jorge Masvidal, but I mean, that's kind of like, you're going to start worrying, like, what if Jorge gets it done? Are we really going to give that guy an interim belt, knowing that that means he gets a trilogy with Kamaru that he doesn't deserve? Um, and then that brings up the argument, if you beat Leon, does that mean that you deserve a third title shot? I'm not entirely sure. But I think, you know, he has history with Bilal Muhammad, the, the eye poke that they never got to run it back. Um, Gilbert Burns is the number four guy. He didn't lose a whole lot from from that loss to Kamzat and it showed that, you know, he has tremendous heart and that he's willing to go to war like that. And then Kamzat's the number three guy. Like, you know, it, regardless of what you want to say with rankings, you wind up in the number three spot. If number two gets an interim shot, it's hard to argue that the number three guy doesn't deserve to be in there with him. Um, and then obviously Colby is on the shelf shelf until Colby's not on the shelf. So I don't know. Yeah. I, no, that, that, if there's an interim title, I would I would want to see definitely Leon and Bilal run it back. And the reason being, um, and this goes back to your point, Locke. So if we're looking at somebody that has been fighting guys in that top ten, Bilal is one of those guys, right? And he's on a his his streak in the UFC is longer than Kamzat's. He's on a seven fight win streak in the UFC, right? He just beat. You and know, better strength Luke of K. competition, too. Yeah, and that's what I mean. So the problem is, and this is my problem with the rankings, when you have somebody like Kamzat jump over him, now it becomes a different argument. It's easier to see 
if Kamzat moves up, but everybody else, you know, makes a move. Um, so if there was an interim title, I would want to see Leon Edwards versus Bilal. I think they're the most deserving right now of a title shot. That said, um, if you did put Leon and Kamzat together, um, I think you would have a good chance of Kamzat becoming the interim, uh, the interim title holder. And it really just depends as we know how the UFC does things, what they want to see, who do they want to see holding up that title? Who do they want to see when Usman comes back as being, Hey, this is the big fight to make champion versus champion unify the titles we know Kamzat has a much bigger buzz than Leon Edwards and Bilal Mohammed. And it, you know, if, as long as Leon's in that, that interim title, it solves the Leon problem of him never getting a title shot. Right. You got it. If you lose, you lost. Right. But I think if we're talking about who's most deserving and the fight that I think would be the most, um, the most exciting, I think that Leon, Bilal fight would be and to your point you know um it was a pretty nasty eye poke from what I remember um in that fight that was the reason why it was a no contest and they just were never able to rebook that fight but I think it's a fight that you know people still want to see but everybody wants to see Kamzat he's the buzz he's the guy that's getting pushed so it would probably be hard for the UFC not to have an interim title with him in it. Why do I feel like there's nobody else like Leon Edwards? Like, am I serious only guy that, that thinks this guy's fun? I feel like he's very big for the weight class. He's got a well-rounded skill set. He's likable. And even from the UFC standpoint, he's born in Jamaica. He fights out of England. Those are markets that they like to hit. You know what I mean? Is and, there anybody from England, Great Britain, or the UK that Americans like? No. No, they but have I a mean, fighter that Americans like, oh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and, and that fighter, male or female, is from that region. Listen, do you know how long I hated play it Michael as a heel and it goes to their advantage? Yeah, but that's not. The problem is, I don't think his personality warrants that, right? If you were Michael Bisping, I hated Michael Bisping his entire career. What's funny is I like Michael Bisping since he retired. But you get to see kind of a different side. But I hated him his entire career. And part of it <laughs> probably was because he was from he was from over there. But no, on a serious note, there's something that's different about... I just don't think that... Um, stars from that region do really well as far as Americans liking them. I think Americans rather see them get beat up. And I think with Leon Edwards, he's still kind of that quiet guy. And you're used to people from that region being more brash, right? And so I don't think he even fits into wanting to hate him. He just becomes a non-factor. Well, I mean, in yeah, in America, we do typically like our British people, like in, in a red coat, like, you know, marching down the street. We like to play him as the villain and shit, but I don't know. I just think that, uh, Leon Edwards is a really good fighter. And if anybody, when we talk about next shots or interim or something, he for sure has to be in it. Um, I, I feel like he beat Kamza. 
Like, if those two were to fight, I would take Leon Edwards over Kamzat. I think it depends, and this is the reason why I say um, Kamzat has a good chance. Leon is one of those people that it's like he, at certain points in time in a fight, he gets bored or something, and he gets caught. And he's been caught more than once. I mean, even if you look at his last fight, right, with um, with uh, Diaz, right, he got caught pretty good, like, caught like he might not have made it out of that round caught, right, in a fight that he was easily winning. And that's well, luckily not... Nate Nate has a fight IQ of zero and decided <laughs> to not not move in on that at all. But that's not the first time that that's happened, right? So there's a lot of cues that I look up. You know, I'm a big Styles make fights, guys. There's a lot of cues that I look at. And then when I look at somebody like Kamzat, if he hurts you, he's pouncing right away from one. And if you hurt him, he's not going to stop. He's just going to go to grappling like Khabib does, right? It's this, it's this thing that they have, like this switch. As soon as they get hurt, they're grabbing a leg or something. They don't stop. They don't, you know just do the chicken dance and start walking back. It's a different thing. So when I look at those styles and I look at, okay, what happens if one of these guys catches the other and get hurt? Who's more likely to finish? And I see Kamzat as being a bigger finisher, but that's not to say that that's not a winnable fight for Edwards. It's definitely a winnable fight. He's well-rounded. He's good everywhere. Um, I just think that, when I look at like how we talked about those other people, we look at Kobe, if I look at Burns rematch or any of that, those other guys in that top, you know, one, four Leon to me is a better matchup for Kamzat to win that interim title versus him having a second fight with Burns or fighting somebody like Kobe. Um, but I do think the interim title thing is a great idea. And this just goes to show you how much the interim title is just the Dana White fuck you. Because if, like, Nganu can defend the title and we'll make an interim title match the next fucking day if we don't fucking like you. But when a situation, we, you know, Dana likes Usman. So, like, nah, we don't. We got a muddy division and a champion that's on the shelf and there's no need for an interim belt. But, it definitely yeah. makes a difference. Or as uh, what did, what did your your boy call it? Dana, Dana White, White privilege. privilege. <laughs> yeah. that is the that is the sure. funniest line ever. Dana White privilege. It, it definitely exists, and we we know it's always existed. Dana will have certain guys that he likes, and one you'll get pushed harder, but then two, there's more leeway, you know. And in certain instances, he's talked about it like. Some of those early Ultimate Fighter guys, they were responsible for saving a company. He'll tell you, yeah, I'm going to give them another shot. They're in a, they're basically in a different boat than everybody else. Or, you know, your Chuck Liddell's. I'll pay. I want you, I want to give you whatever you want, but I'll actually pay you to stop fighting because I love you that much, right? So there is definitely a such thing as Dana White privilege, but I think any company that you work for, they're going to have favorites. And when you can kind of, when you're the person that has some say so over how things lay out, stack up matches, who gets cut, things of that sort, it's going to play even if you try not to let it play because you don't have hard rules, right? If there were hard rules, 
you lose three in a row, you're cut. That's our rule, and that's different. But when you cut people at all different spots, you know, you can get cut after one loss, <laughs> you know, uh, you lost, uh, that's it, you know, so it just depends, and when you have that type of leeway, I think it always leaves area for, it depends on how much you're liked by the company. Yeah, I I agree with that, Um, you know, I think that it's also a matter of, like, his, uh, you know, Dana White privilege and, and the fact that he can kind of like meddle with the landscape of division of a division by throwing in an interim or um, maybe not giving someone a shot. Or I think with like Volkanovsky, he recently said um, if he went to lightweight, he could see an immediate title shot happening. And I know we're going to get into Volkanovsky a little bit later, but I think for like certain divisions, it's okay to like interfere with or to hold back from interfering with because, um, there's not this like long period of stagnation. So like if you mess with lightweight and, and featherweight by saying, okay, the featherweight champ can get an immediate lightweight, um, uh, title shot. There's not really like a lot of ramifications there because at lightweight you have potentially one contender that's like really waiting in the wings with this Makachev and, and beyond that. And Dana wants him to take a different fight anyways, before he gets the title shot. Um, and then with featherweight, it's like, you know, we're on to a trilogy with Max. Um, so if instead of that, if we said, okay, like Volk is going to fight Olvera in, you know, July or August or something along those lines. And then after that, we'll go back to our, you know, regular programming where Volkanovski will face Holloway for the trilogy. It gives Makachev a chance to fight the, I, f- I can't remember who it is. Um, and Bilal Muhammad is who keeps coming to name. And I know it's Benil Daryush. Um, that gives Makachev a chance to fight Benil Daryush like Dana White wants. And then if he wins, he can fight Oliveira or whoever's holding the belt at that point. And so, like, it wouldn't really, like, affect anything. There wouldn't be any consequences. Um, so I wouldn't be opposed to him interfering there. Um, the problem is, is that when you see the, the opposite where, like, him not doing anything with the welterweight division is, like, detrimental to the welterweight division. And it's detrimental to, like, our ability to appreciate the welterweight division because you have all these people who are ranked 1 through 15 that can't get the fights that they want or that they need in order to continue moving the story of the division along. And so we're just seeing, I mean, we saw Kamaru Usman defend his title five times and four of those defenses came against Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. So it's like, if we're supposed to believe that Usman is capable of becoming the welterweight GOAT, which some people... Are, are quick to call him that already, I think. Um, we have to see him fight more than just three different people for his five defenses, I think. I think you make good points. Um, I think the issue um, on, as far as Usman, the issue there is the people that he beat were regarded as clearly the top of the division. Right. So you have sometimes where you have these guys fight each other, but they're not necessarily looked at as all that top ranking. Like this is the, the top of the top and you need time for that to clear out. And I think when you don't allow for some of those guys to fight some of those contenders before giving them another title shot, you get the muddy waters that we have now. Right. So if, what if, like how Burns just fought Kamzat, right? What if before Masvidal get another shot, there were some other good up-and-coming guys 
maybe he had to beat two, you know, up and coming guys and he gets another shot. And then the same with Kobe, but each of them, I think only had to have one win and then we're right back in the picture. Right. So I think that helps. And then you, you know, you have somebody else, the, the number one person historically was not always the person that fought the champion. Right. So, you know, instead of that, you allow some of that to shake out and maybe there's a person at number three, you know, that Usman can fight. But I definitely think there's challenges for Usman. The problem is, um, in my opinion, and I mentioned this before, I really think that in particular with Usman and Kobe Covington, and I would put Burns in that category, I think that they're a step above most of the rest of the division. The issue becomes now we need Kobe and Burns to fight everybody else to prove it, basically, to get that other shot. And Burns is the only person that didn't get that other shot. He definitely doesn't have Dana White privilege because not only did he not get the shot, they gave him a fight against a guy that most people were scared to fight that was considered the boogeyman. And he said, yeah, I fight anybody, right? And in my opinion, people like that, I would give them more accolades, not less. Um, to your point of um, what you mentioned with Volkanovski, and, and I'm going to take this and spin it over to Volk. But um, yeah, I, I think um, that's another one of those things where it depends on the person. You've had people that have, you know, defended their title four or five times and wanted a super fight, and Dana White said no. Um, Volkanovski, I believe has only defended three times, right? So, um, but, you know, as you said, when somebody asked him, you know, asked Dana White about, you know, Volkanovski mentioning moving up in weight class and they said, who would you match him up against? And he was like, well, I mean, if he wins this, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to go up there and just fight the, you know, fight for the title right away. Like why fight anybody else? So that's another one of those things where it really depends on how much Dana like you, how much money you're making the company, things of that sort. But to touch on Volk, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, so I'm one of those people that have been a little critical of Volkanovski, but he really, really, really impressed me in that Korean zombie fight. Um, To me, he took it up another notch. It was another level and Korean zombie um, although he's never been the champion, he's a guy that I have a lot of respect for. He's not an easy guy to fight. And he's gave, given a lot of champions, um, you know, tough fights. He's a he's a really good, tough guy. And Volk made it look easy to me. I was really impressed with that fight. So it brought up the question. So Volkanovski beating a guy like that. Of course, we know he's beat Max twice. He's beaten Jose Aldo. It brings that question back around. Is he possibly the welterweight goat? I'm sorry, not welterweight, featherweight. Is he possibly the featherweight goat, right? Um, And a double question to that. If he beats Max a third time, which is quite possible because I don't see the fight going any different than it went the other two times, which means it'll probably be a controversial decision, right, for Volkanovski. If he beats Max a third time, how do you not put him ahead of Max? And a lot of people have Max ahead of Aldo. 
And those are the only two people really in the conversation for the featherweight GOAT. And where the hell does Max go from here? I mean, nobody gets this many title shots against a person unless you're a part of Team Alpha Male. And I truly believe that they got some evidence on Dana White. Nobody got more title shots than Team Alpha Male. They got pictures of Dana White somewhere that we don't know about. But so the question to that is, one, how do you see him kind of in that that goat picture? And um, two, how do you see that landscape if he beats Max? What happens with Volks as far as his ranking in, in that GOAT status of, of, of featherweights and what happens with Max. And like, I want to pass this one over to you first. Yeah. So I agree with everything you're saying. So when, when I now contradict that opinion, don't feel like uh, I'm being a dickhead. I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm just, you know, just saying shit. But I think Max Holloway was the greatest featherweight. But I also feel like it's one of those things, you know, to be the king, you got to take out the king. Like, a lot of what I gave to him was, the other option to me was Aldo. Well, Max beat Aldo, you know, decisively. I was there. I seen it with my own eyes. It was in Detroit, Michigan, you know. Um, That happened. Never happened. So, so it's odd to, to pass that to Volkanovski because now you're kind of getting it, you know, six degrees of the title because you never beat those guys. Like, I feel like I don't want to hold it against Volkanovski that I don't feel like the guys that he's, he's beating the guys that are in front of him. He's beating the best of his division at the time, which is all that you could do. But it's tough for me to see, you know, beating the shit out of Brian Ortega. And I like Brian Ortega. He's a good fighter. But I don't know that that makes you a featherweight goat. Um, it's Korean Zombie, which was not even the original fight, you know. I, I felt like Yair Rodriguez would have been the better option over Korean Zombie in that fight. But the problem is we tend to give, um, like in our in our group, we say that we think Max won, which I think Max won. But Volk won those fights, you know, um, whether we like it or not. So I feel like we we kind of have to, you know, whether whether we like to admit it or not. Um, unfortunately, Max didn't do enough to put the stamp on those fights. And if he was the guy, that now makes Volk the guy. And honestly, I don't even know that if Max beats him... Now you're now. What do we got to do? Do we got to do four fights? Like where do That's we go why from I here? I never liked. If you remember, we talked about this. I did not want to see a third fight. I still think there's many other people for him to fight. The problem is, Max did what I was saying. Either Kobe or Burns needed to do. Max went and beat. Uh, what was the last two? I think he beat. Uh. Let me go back and see. I think it was Cater uh, and Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. He beat Yair and Cater. And so, you know, and we know what he did to Brian Ortega before. Right. So if you look at that landscape, he beat number two, number three and number four. Right. So it's hard to hold it against him to let him back into that title shot. 
because he did the work to say, I deserve it. I stay active and I beat still. I'm still beating guys in the top five, even though I'm not the champion. I'm basically fighting like I'm the champion. Right. So it's hard to say, no, you don't deserve that title shot. Eric, go ahead. He deserves the title shot. If Max doesn't win this title, if he doesn't win the title this time, he's just got to go to lightweight, though. Yeah. I say he should just jump to 170. (laughs) 170 might be a bit of a stretch, but maybe, maybe, you know, he is Hawaiian. Maybe he can tap into some of those those genes and put on some weight real quick and move up there. Um, That's right. (laughs) No, I mean, I think that, you know, I agree he, he earned the title shot. It's hard to say he didn't. I think that um, if he loses, it's kind of weird because if he loses, a, a jump to 155 might be his, like, last resort. That might be just what he has to do. Um, but if he loses, then the likelihood that Volkanovski goes up to 155 is pretty high as well. And so... um if we can imagine a world where those two would wind up at the top of that division, he would just wind up in the same exact spot that he's in. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you, if if you can't beat the guy at 145, I don't have any reason to believe you can beat him at 155 either. Um, not that I, th- you know, I don't think Volkanovski beats uh, Oliveira or or any of the two people who are likely to contest for the title next um at 155 so i don't know that that'll be an issue anyways as far as like featherweight goat goes um you know i always thought it was like interesting because like it's hard to not say that it's jose aldo based off of like the length that he held the belt and you know he was the inaugural champion um and he held it for like 10 years but then he went out there and got knocked out by connor and then max finished him twice as well and uh he lost to Volkanovski when he was, you know, making an attempt to like get back into contention and everything. Um, obviously like Max is a fan favorite. And I think that's where the desire to consider him. The goat comes from is that we love him, you know? And that's, and I think that's every MMA fan. Like I don't, I don't see anyone saying negative things about Max Holloway. Even people who are Volkanovski fans, I think they seem to like him. Um, as far as like, considering Volk the the greatest of all time though at featherweight I think the other part that makes it difficult to like concede that is like okay he beat Max Holloway twice but in pretty close fights and outside of that he's kind of just getting like what comes to him that Max Holloway is not feasting on first and so it's like when you look at it it's like I I just don't like who did Volk like Korean zombie on a replacement? That doesn't really mean anything to me. Um, not to say that anything bad about Korean zombie. It's just, you know, he was ranked four at the time, I think. And he was coming in as a late replacement for max. Um, Brian Ortega looked great against Korean zombie when he earned his title shot. But before that, he got brutalized by max. And then outside of that, he beat max twice. And, uh, that was to capture and to defend the, his first title defense. So, realistically like if the other people that you beat are are people that you know you can have those like caveats or those like asterisks next to those title defenses where you say like oh but it was it was a brian ortega we already saw get the shit kicked out of him and you can say that it was korean zombie on the late notice it just doesn't 
do anything for me. The problem is, is that you have that across like the rest of the rankings. It's like, um, Yair, Yair Rodriguez just lost to Max. Calvin Cater got brutalized by Max. Um, and then outside of that, you move outside of the top five. So what would it mean if he beat Arnold Allen or Josh Emmett? It wouldn't mean shit, you know? Um, unfortunately, I don't think he has enough time left in the well, in the lightweight di- or featherweight division to really like, cement his legacy unless he goes out there and stops Max, which a stoppage over Max is, uh, it's pretty unlikely, but huge. you know, I, that would be, it, huge. it could eliminate a lot of those. Asteroids. Yeah. I mean, then after that, you stop putting, you, you can put Max above him by saying like, Oh, he had the close decisions and I don't care about those. You can't put Max above him. If he goes out there and gets knocked out by Vol in dramatic fashion, you know? And yeah. one thing I wanted to say about, like, you know, if you're looking at, like, when you're talking about the GOAT at that division, one of these things, a lot of those um, those things that you're talking about, you know, those asterisks, I agree with everything you said because I feel the exact same way as I'm looking at it. Like, well, I think Max won. I think Max won. You know, same thing. But then again, when you look at that in hindsight, when you look at that 10 years later, people won't look at it with that same lens they're just gonna look at it as oh yeah those are the names that i know and he beat them all and it's you you don't look at the the reference of the time frame and stuff like that and he is building a good resume even if it's not you know jose aldo at the prime or max in a decisive thing he is putting a good together a good resume yeah. and i think he has two options to do it i think a decisive win over max would do it I think going up to lightweight and having some success could actually help him cement it too. But I don't really see any of those. I see any of the, not any of, but most of the top five lightweights I would take over Volkanowski. Well, this is what's difficult. So, and I agree with um, pretty much everything that you said, Eric, but this is what's difficult. It's not like while Max were beating you know, number three and number four. I'm going off of their current rankings, right? It's not like while Max was beating number three and number four, Volkanovski was doing nothing. He had beaten Max, who was the champ, and then he beat the number two, who's Ortega, and he beat number five, right? So he's still fighting top five guys. And other than Max, he's winning decisively. Max is the controversial fight, but they're controversial for each other. You get what I'm saying? So it makes it difficult. And this is one of the reasons why I want to have this conversation. To the point at which you mentioned earlier, I actually still feel like Jose Aldo is the featherweight goat. But we had one episode in which we talked about that. And I said, I started to question, can I really call him the featherweight goat? if he lost to another featherweight champion twice becomes very difficult to say that. Now, if I'm comparing Jose Aldo's fight with Volkanovski, it's a little bit different. I think Max Steele fought a pretty, a relatively prime Aldo. No, he wasn't in his absolute prime, but he was still very, very dangerous with one loss in like the last hundred years, right, on his resume. Um, by the time Volkanovski got him, I think 
a lot more damage had been there. You know, he had the losses to Max. He had the loss to Connor. It's a little bit different. So, but when I look at that and I question whether Aldo can be the GOAT because of the Max losses, I have to question the same thing. If I said Max is the GOAT, especially if he loses a third time, how can I really put him over Volkanovski? Even if the fights were close, that's part of what you do as the champion, especially when you get multiple chances. You have to put a stamp on that to make it decisive. And if you're not doing that in your max, especially when you know whatever is going on with your styles matching up, the judges don't see it your way. What are you going to change to put that stamp on there? And I haven't seen Max do that. So it's one of the reasons why I want to have this conversation. But I do want to say one thing. I want to give some background. Um, I try to always throw things in for our podcast. We don't like to just talk to people that's already in the MMA. I want to talk to the new up-and-coming people that may have recently start uh, listening. And so I just want to give a little bit of background on the featherweight division. So the featherweight division, as far as the history, there's only been four champions. You've had Jose Aldo. The featherweight division was rolled into the UFC from the WEC. Aldo was the WEC champion, so he never actually had to fight for the UFC title. It was rolled over, and then he just continued his title defenses. But when people say, talk about him as the champion... They usually only count his UFC defenses, whereas if anybody listens to this show, they know any of the groups that rolled over from the UFC, I mean, from the WEC, I count their WEC championships. Uh, But only counting the UFC, he was champion from 2010 to 2015, and then he won the belt again in 2016. Um, Altogether, that was eight uh, title fight wins with the only loss coming to Connor. And um, to me, that really, really, really should have been a, a, a rematch. It's it's a big tragedy that wasn't a rematch. But from there, Connor got the title in 2015. Um, and he never defended. As we know, he moved up and then went to boxing. And it's Connor. He's a special case, right? From that, um, as I mentioned, Aldo had got the title back. He fought Frankie Edgar for the interim. When Connor vacated, became the regular title. Then he lost that to Max. So Max got the title in 2017, and he had the title from 2017 to 2019 with four uh, title fight wins. Now, I'm not mentioning defenses here for a reason. It, this picture is a little muddy because some of these are interim titles that turned over, but they really were the champions. So I really, I'd rather talk about the title wins versus simply title defenses, if that makes sense. And then in 2019, Volkanovski got the title and he's headed to present and he has four title fight wins. So even if you look at that, Aldo has eight title fight wins. The rest of the champions combined has 10. The issue becomes he's lost to two of those champions. But how much does that take away from everything he did before those guys in the 
goat status, right? That's kind of the dilemma that that I find myself coming across. You know, I can see it one day when our podcast is really big time and we're bigger than Joe Rogan. And, you know, just like they do with Joe Rogan, everybody's coming in there taking all the clips in one episode. I'm saying, of course, Max is the goat featherweight. No, you really know Volkanovski's the goat featherweight. And then, like, everybody knows Jose Aldo is the featherweight goat. And the problem is because it's truly a dilemma with me, and it depends on what angle you're looking at it from. So what I just ran down, um, does that change anything in any one of you all's mind as far as the angle you're looking at it from or anything like that? Well, I did want to say this is one of my favorite bits that DC does where he pretends like we're going to talk about Volkanovski and it's just another excuse for me to run down Aldo's resume, like the full thing <laughs> not, from top to bottom. So this is like the, the <laughs> Aldo Goat episode part two is like a little piece of that. like Probably part two, but I'm not biased <laughs> okay. at all. Hey, we're going to talk about Volkanovski. I mean, mostly Aldo, but I will start it off by saying Volkanovski. <laughs> but no, I don't. It's uh, I I agree with the, a lot of what you're saying, but I don't know. As soon as you started running down all those record again, I was just like, oh, here we go. Let me guess. Somebody needs to go to EBI, right? <laughs> <laughs> the only reason why I ran it down is because literally. That's the reason why I want to have this Volkanovski conversation, because if we look at it, especially if he beats Max again, that is a legitimate conversation to me. Based on why Aldo is not the GOAT, we have to say, is Volkanovski the GOAT? Yeah, I think that um, kind of in line with what you said, that brings up kind of like, I guess, two different points for myself. Um, You know, usually when it comes to like, greatest of all time conversations and i i get away with this within divisions a little bit more than i um than i do when it comes to like just overall greatest of all time which is like i don't know that we should have that conversation or that we should give someone the award of greatest of all time until they've completed their time in that division or their career or whatever it is going to be um i think that like when we look at like when we look at the different divisions, right? Like when we look at featherweight, um, it's it's easy to say like, or it's not easy to say, but it's it's easy to pick three different ones and defend them for any reason, right? But it, the question is like, do we judge them based off of their entire time at featherweight, or are we gonna just judge them based off of like their prime at featherweight? You know, um, and so I think that if you have the conversation after their time is done, then it allows you to take a look at the entire picture. Um, in which case I think when you look at the entire picture, it turns into, okay, Joe's Aldo's not the goat because he lost to those people, but realistically there's not a clear way to define or to, to, to decide between um, Volkanovsky and Holloway, despite the losses that Holloway took to, to Volkanovsky. Right. Um, but if you if you want to just look at the prime instead, then I think that the argument you made would say that if we just look at primes, then maybe Jose Aldo is the goat. Maybe during his prime, he was the greatest of all time, and no one else in their prime has has touched that yet. You know, um, and I I would argue that we would define prime as pre Conor McGregor. Aldo is probably the prime. And post is probably post prime, um, in which case you know 
how do you, how do you argue against what was it ten years of being the champion? I think that's uh, I think that's pretty clear case of him being the greatest. Yeah, I think the um, I think the issue there is you hit a good point, right? In talking about people, kind of when they're done, the issue is there's a big difference or a big gap between when people in sports are done and it's easier to crown somebody with a short career it's a lot harder when that career is long and you see the downside of that career right so for example i don't think that we knew that aldo was going to fight 20 years i think literally he's 18 years in right um if you look at or you take some of the other sports, right? It's like when people talk about a uh, Bo Jackson or somebody like that, you know, when you have a short career, we really don't get a chance to see everything. The longevity is what means something. If I look at basketball, one of the reasons why a Kobe Bryant was like my goat status was because of what he did for so long and even what he was able to do in that final season. When I compare it to other guys that would be in that conversation with him, I don't see them doing that or being at that level that long in their career. The issue is it works the opposite way also. Let's say you have two guys that that play for 10 years. One of them stops and he leaves the champion. The other one keeps going. He wins two more championships the next two years, and then he falls off and just becomes a complete bust. But he plays another five, six years. You erase what he did in the same time span as that other dude, and he starts to get judged on all the new up-and-coming guys and what they do to him. That's what makes it difficult in these conversations, in my opinion. Um, So to your point, maybe it's one of those things where you have to wait until everybody's finished, but that's no fun, (laughs) right? (laughs) One of the fun parts is, you know, predicting and looking at where guys are, what they're, you know, what they're going to do, projections, things of that sort. And, the GOAT conversation is always a heavy conversation that usually happens while fighters are still fighting. Um, Pound for pound, we know is only while you're still fighting. That's the only thing that I think goes away when you retire. Uh, And maybe it's one of those things where the GOAT conversation needs to be redefined, where you only talk about it in retirement. and, And up until that point, you only talk about the potential of where you see these guys landing when they retire. The issue, once again, I mean, shit, I don't want to wait 20 years to talk about Aldo, you know, as Locke already told you, I got a quote <laughs> to be here, you know? I need to talk about Aldo at least every other episode, you know? So I can't wait 20 years <laughs> to do that. But, you know, I think that's the issue. Some of these guys fight a long time. Some people come in, have a short, electrifying career, and they're out. You know? Yeah, I think with other divisions, it's probably um, a little bit easier to have like the goat conversation p- 
post someone's career. Like, you know, we can go back to welterweight. Like, GSP is retired, has been retired for a bit. And so if you consider him the GOAT, you can say, okay, he's the GOAT. And we can compare Tyron Woodley up until he lost to Kamaru Usman. We were comparing him to GSP and his legacy. And now we're comparing Kamaru Usman's legacy to his legacy. Um, so I think that there's always like, I think that you need a retired person to, to set like the benchmark of like what greatness in the division met sometimes. And for us, the weird part is that like, you know, the three greatest, um, in the division are all currently active fighters. Um, but if, you know, maybe if Jose had, had retired closer to when I think a lot of us thought he was going to retire, that then it would make it a little bit easier to, have the conversation and compare legacies um for me personally like i think that when you talk about legacy it has to include like the entirety of the career and so i don't think that we just look at prime um and as a result i think that that removes aldo from being like the absolute goat but uh but i know that that's like personal preference and it's a bit subjective when you get into that no, I definitely don't think that you just look at Prime. The only difference is, in my opinion, there's leeway, especially in combat sports, when a certain fighter beats someone well past their prime, right? It, let's let's look at boxing. I think it's a great example. People that hate Floyd Mayweather, which I'm a big Floyd Mayweather fan, their biggest knock on him, especially when you talk about the Pacquiao fight, he waited and fought Pacquiao when Pacquiao was old and past his prime, right? If you look at most of boxing, that is always a factor because especially in combat sports, you the closer you fight someone to their prime, it's a more impressive victory, right? Versus somebody that's past their prime. So it has to be a factor. It's not that you're only looking at the prime, but Volkanovski beating Aldo way past his prime is nowhere near as impressive as Connor beating a pretty much undefeated Aldo or Max beating a Aldo only with a Connor loss. Those are way more impressive to me than Volkanovski beating a, 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 a Aldo, you know, many years past his prime and a couple knockouts later. The same thing with if we look at who in boxing most people regard as the GOAT Ali, you look at his whole career, but somebody, you know, knocking out Ali, you know, is in his last fight or beating him pretty bad. That's not as impressive if you had beat the Ali that we know, the Ali that still was just as fast, still had the head moving. I think those things have to play a factor. And that's why I talked about it's different if somebody stops. What happened with GSP? One of the reasons why I think you can even have the argument of people putting him so high in the GOAT status is because as soon as things got tough, when Hendricks, you know, beat him all around the cage, he retired. He only came back to fight one man that he had trained with and he knew his secret that he only had one eye that most people didn't know. And then he retired again, right? I think that's very different than an Anderson Silva if he had stopped at the same time as GSP, we wouldn't be talking about Anderson Silva in the same way. Why does now the end of his career 
taint everything he did before. That's what I'm saying. Not saying only count the prime, but when both were in their prime, I think Anderson was much better. Then Anderson fell well out of his prime and kept fighting. Now you want to use that, not you as an Eric, but you know what I mean. Now you want to use that to taint everything he did before. That's kind of what I'm saying that how do you, how does that play out? And in combat sports especially, you have to look at the whole, but I don't I don't count somebody, you know, beating Anderson Silva in the last couple of years the same as I count Whiteman knocking Anderson Silva out in his prime when everybody was scared of Anderson Silva. Does that make sense? So I think uh that's why how Erica mentioned it's important the reason I think it's important to look at these conversations when they're once they're retired is because we're two fights away from Jose Aldo having the world's greatest career, you know, remergence and being the champ champ. And it changes the whole conversation. You know, I mean, he's still looking good in a new division and, you know, top three guy. That's a title contender. He could fuck around and win another belt. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're not even talking about him as featherweight goat. Now he's back in the real conversation with GSP and Anderson. You know, we're up with the champ champs and shit. Um, he left that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it is nice to have that retired guy because we're always wanting to have this argument. It's the nature of combat sports fans. People have been doing it, you know, having this argument at bars since the early 1900s you know if you watch it you you have some drinks and you talk about who's the greatest but i think to you know eric's point where it's nice to have that retired guy that's the benchmark but that also speaks to the delay of the ufc to integrate the lighter weight divisions so since it took them a while to bring in all those light divisions we don't have those guys that are retired yet it's a still not now, but it is still newer than the welterweight division. It's not brand new, but it's newer than some of these divisions that have been around. 170 is kind of like a classic division in the UFC. Yeah, I guess me as a fan, I don't, I don't, I don't, as, as everybody knows, I don't like fighters that fight well past their prime and start getting brutalized. But I don't want a fighter to go out on top because I don't think that we've seen I don't think that we've seen the true test of everything within you. I mean, now granted, if you have like a twenty year career and nobody can beat you, yeah, retire. Right? But um it's like Lennox Lewis in boxing, right? No, I didn't want to see Lennox retire. I wanted to see him fight Klitschko again, and I wanted to see him fight the other Klitschko. Right, uh, I think uh, Vitaly is the one that he fought, and I wanted to see him fight uh, Vladimir. I want to see those fights. I don't want you to squeak out a win and then retire, just like GSP, because now it becomes easier, in my opinion, to not compare you in the drop off that we did with other people that continue to challenge themselves. That's the issue. When I see a guy have a very tough fight and retire, I say, yep, he knew it. <laughs> That's in my mind. Yep, he knew it. He didn't want the challenges that that other guy was still willing to go out and take. 
that drops you a notch in my eyes, personally. Hey, I want the guy what, that's going to take on the challenge. But one thing I want to say about the GSP thing, and I'm not really a GSP fan. I mean, I respect greatness, so I appreciate him from that standpoint. But I was both a fan of Matt Hughes as a fighter and BJ Penn, so GSP is like my arch nemesis, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I still, I still respect the game, and I don't know that is it so much that um, that he got his ass beat and decided, yeah, I don't want to retire, or was it that he knew these guys were so juiced up? He was an early guy saying, I don't want. You know, I want stricter testing. I'm fighting clean, which I don't know. He does have that HGH gut and shit, but he wanted, you know, to make sure it was clean. And he thought that Johnny Hendricks was juiced to the gills. So how much of it was just that I don't want to take these beatings and I'm trying to play it safe? Or was it just that I'm fucking rich and if we're not going to do the testing, I'm just not going to get my head banged off this mat like a bongo by these juiced up dudes? It's not worth it. I'm good to go. I agree. The issue is, that means I still give credit to the dude that was still fighting all the juice heads when you quit. Either way, it's well, yeah, the same just pop, pop. That's a way. Just, you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> Allegedly. We never saw the video of Anderson with the HGH in his closet. That video doesn't exist. It's only a rumor. It was all Photoshop or whatever they do for video. <laughs> well, I think this was a real good one. I don't want to drag it on too long, but I want everybody to get a chance. Anything left that you want to say about any other topics? Any last words? Volkanovski, what's going on kind of in, in um, you know, in that whole featherweight division, welterweight division? Any last words? I'm going to throw it to you first, Eric. Yeah, so on the featherweight conversation, uh, the last thing I'd have to say on the topic is this entire discussion was probably pointless because Max is going to bring title back home. They're going to have a fourth fight. He's going to defend it, and then he's going to clear out the division. He's going to put an end to the discussion. So we're going <laughs> to... I like the new guy. <laughs> we're going we're to revisit this in a couple of years, and we're all going to be like, oh, shit. Max Holloway is the GOAT, and it's very clear to us now. Um, and then for the welterweight division, Rory McDonald is is the greatest of all time and always will be. And if it's not him, of course. then it's George St. Pierre. And I just want that to be clear. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> as far as, listen, featherweight, lightweight, and welterweight, we can talk about these every two months because it's going to change. Very true. <laughs> Something's going to change every two months. Lock, what you got? Uh, all I want to say is, like, if... Since we talked about the welterweight division, if I was to rewatch any welterweight division, like you, you just got to watch a fight from the welterweight division. It'd be the Robbie Lawler, Roy McDonald fight where Robbie took a piece of his soul in that cage, you know, crushed his nose. Mm-hmm. It's my, my yeah. favorite welterweight of fight of all time. But Roy yeah. McDonald looked great in the PFL. And this doesn't relate to our topic today, but I did want to say this because we were talking about the PFL earlier. One thing, because we talked about like the tournament style that some of these promotions are doing, with PFL doing the promotion style, I heard um, Showtime Pettis was saying, because he went there last year and he lost two fights. You know, some guys just say, oh, that's a slide in my career, I'm done. They do it by seasons, 
and he won that fight and he was like yeah i had a rough year last year but you know this is a whole new season and uh you know i'm looking to make this million dollars or whatever and i think that's kind of a cool format that it gives these guys a chance to restart because every other sport has that where you have a bad season and then you can put it behind you and move on and the fight game ain't like that it's this you know record that keeps moving and shit so the pfl seasons yeah. is an awesome format yeah i i agree and you know as you said we talked about it before in my opinion i like it where you have the champion that's the champion you have your rankings the way that your rankings currently go but then every year you have some type of tournament and the winner of that tournament gets to fight the champion and one has a format similar to that and that's another thing i'm excited that one is finally trying to actually make a push and a move into the U.S. They got to deal with, I forget who it was, Netflix or I forget who they got their deal with. But um, I plan on watching every card that comes over. The only reason why I don't watch every card now is because I'm in Eastern time zone. And that shit comes on at like 8 o'clock in the morning. That's brutal. <laughs> right? Uh, but I usually. That's that? brutal. Well, it would be worse for you, right? Out in, out in, uh, out in the, uh, on the West Coast. So it would be like, what, four in the morning for yeah. you? The fights would yeah, start. Yeah, but the benefit is that <laughs> if I, uh, if I just wake up in my normal time, I can go back and watch like a one card and just fast forward through everything and just go like fight to fight. So it's not, it's not too bad. I would, uh, if it was actually on while I was awake, I think that'd be worse because then I have to like sit there from like eight to 11 or whatever it is watching it the entire time, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. But yeah, I think one's format is a format that can really catch on and, um, I plan on talking more about it in future episodes um, and uh, kind of going through everything on it because I think it, it covers the tournament point, but it also covers where people talk a lot about us not having enough belts because they have more belts. They got belts for everything. But that said, thank you, Eric, for coming on. Appreciate you coming back uh, on the show. Thanks, Locke. And uh, that wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. Thanks for listening. Come again. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.